Welcome to Disciple Path. Please be seated. <laughs> uh, well, uh, happy 75th birthday to Miss Ann. Yay! We certainly love you and we're glad you're here. Yes, we are. <laughs> All right, and thank you everyone for She's coming to the uh, church fellowship last, last night. We had a great time. Uh, we had uh, made some good friends and uh, we... Uh, well, we, we were ministering. We were showing people that how Christians are supposed to be. Amen. That they're supposed to be joyful and that they're supposed to be uh, non-judgmental and that they're, they're supposed to be generous. And we were on all fronts. So we, we had a good time and, and, we, and we showed the love of the Lord while we were doing it. Yes. So praise God. All right. So upcoming events. Uh, December 25th uh, is a Christmas evening service. Uh, we will, it, it'll be at 5 p.m., and uh, we're going to worship God in spirit and truth. Uh, please bring your favorite uh, Christmas cookies to share during our time of fellowship and following the service. All right. And then, uh, and so also uh, for Christmas, Christmas Day, we will have Christmas service in the morning, but we will not have the evening service. Okay, Christmas Eve, right. You're right. I'm wrong. Okay, Christmas Eve we will have we will have Sunday morning service, but not Sunday evening service, so people can spend time with their families. Ah, uh, Jackie's disappointed. Well, you you can come visit us if you want. <laughs> All right. So January first, we're going to have intercessory prayer service for the lost. That's on a Monday, uh, following our normal uh, services. So, and, and that'll be at 6 p.m. in the evening, and we're going to pray for the harvest of the last days. And then, of course, uh, the Friday night's prayers for the next two weeks has been rescheduled to Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. And, until the end of the year so that we, uh, so that, so that we can, you know, enjoy our time uh, for over the holidays. So the Ark Encounter uh, is coming up. I do have some prices and stuff. I just haven't put it all together yet. Uh, it's not as much as you would think it is, so it's it's pretty cool. Uh, found a really nice uh, house to stay in for everybody. Um, it's on it's on a 125 acre lot with a lake and pool and jacuzzi and all that stuff, and and uh, much less than you would expect to pay at your average nice hotel. All right, and then uh, so Generation Life Youth Camp course is coming up in July and that's all I've got for the moment uh, so our meditation for the week uh, our in him is Ephesians 5 8 through 10 out of the King James it says for ye were sometimes darkness but now ye are light in the Lord walk as children of the light for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth proving what is acceptable unto the Lord so our confession, I, once I was lost in darkness, but now I am light in the Lord. I will walk as a child of the light and bear the fruit of the Spirit in goodness, righteousness, and truth, showing what is most acceptable unto the Lord. Praise God that we can do that. All right. So our healing scripture for this week is Acts 4, 29 and 30. Uh, and it says, uh, Grant unto thy servants 
that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. So nowadays, we stretch forth our hands for healing. You know, the Bible says that we should, that, that we should lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed. You know, uh, or that they will recover at the very least. So, right? Uh, so, um, you know, back in the old days, they relied on, on God to heal them. You know, if they were going to be healed, that was it. It was going to be God. Now, God does heal us, but he does it through us. So it's by our reaching forth that, that people are healed. And if we don't reach forth or we don't pray, they don't get healed. So that's, that's kind of what the scripture is alluding to. So our confession, I will declare your message fearlessly and stretch out my hand to cure and perform signs and wonders through the authority and by the power of the name of your holy child and my Lord Jesus. Praise God. Thank God that we can do that. Thank God that he's given us that ability and that authority. But it is his ability, not ours. All right, so we'll pray for the service. Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you for this service. We thank you uh, for your many blessings. We thank you that we can rejoice and have joy and peace and, and, and laughter in you and that we can have a good time and that we can learn and draw closer to you. Lord, we, we, we know that you are a God of love and a God of joy and that, that you would have us to, to experience the same. So, Lord, as we draw closer to you, we will, we will be filled with your joy and your love and your strength. Lord, we, and we know that as we, as we seek to draw close to you, you will draw close to us. Lord, we just thank you that you lead and guide me and Robbie and that you give us the words that need to be spoken, the words that are just right for those that are here and the words that are, that are just right for those that are listening online. Lord, we just know that you will be here and that you will show forth and that your Holy Spirit will lead and guide us. <sighs> Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. We stand against you and we are armed with the name of Jesus. We bind you in the name of Jesus and you must flee. Lord, we just thank you that your, your healing and your, your prosperity and your goodness flow into us and, that, and through us to others. Lord, we just love you and we thank you. Amen. Good morning, Disciples House. Let's stand up and do our confession together. I am the image of God. I am spirit and flesh. I am very good. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am crucified. I am a new creation and a new creature. I am dead to the flesh, but I live in Christ. I am dead to sin, quickened to life, and saved by grace. I am buried with Christ by baptism. I am raised from the dead with him. I walk in the newness of life. I am forgiven and redeemed. I am an ambassador of Christ. 
I am the righteousness of God. I am the workmanship of God's hands. I am created and ordained to do good works. I am justified by faith. I am chosen and I abide in Christ. I am holy and without blame. I am predestined for adoption. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer and I am greater. I live, move, and have my being in Christ. I reign as a king in this life. I can do all things in and through Christ. I am near to God by the blood of Jesus. I am raised and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, I am here to meet with you. Amen. To our Lord. Yes. So uh, we always come and warm up before service. And I tell you what, the Holy Spirit is so sweet and so present this morning. Yes. Amen. So let's tap in and give honor and glory to our Lord. But when the Holy Spirit shows up before we do. Yeah. A thousand generations falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the Lamb. All who's gone before us, all who will believe, will sing.
chose us to live in this time. And he said, go into the world and preach my good news. We will go into the mountain. We will go and preach the good news. The Savior of the world is born.
You know, the oh, Jews had to wait 1,500 years for the promise of, of the, their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to come into, into being and, yes. and for them to experience him and be with him. So we have the joy and the, and the great pleasure that he is always with us. Amen. And that, that, we, can, that we can be filled with him and him with us <laughs> all the time. Yes. Amen. Glory, glory, glory. So thank God for that joy. Amen. <laughs>
Father, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Father, God. Thank you, Father, God. Thank you, Father, God. In John 16, 20, uh, 24, it says, Hereunto you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. It's God's great pleasure that your joy be full. Glory to God. Well, greet somebody. Tell them that you love them. And uh, have a seat. And uh, we forgot to... We forgot to light the candles this morning. Let's light the candles. I love these candles. They're so easy to light. <laughs> oh, glory to God. You got this. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, 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 glory. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Right here. Use it. Thank you. Y'all book there with Brother Derek. He's losing a lot of weight, and his body's having trouble adjusting. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, the devil always tries to come to steal what the great God's given. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm just looking for something real quick. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Glory, 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 glory. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Glory, glory. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm trying to move on. Hold on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I learned something last night. I mean, I knew it, but I learned it really well last night. Uh, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Father, we thank you. We believe in letting the Lord have his way in this house. Amen. What, is, what do you mean letting the Lord have his way? Well, God is a spirit, and we're a spirit. And, uh, and uh, well, hold your spot right here in 1 Corinthians. Hold your spot right here. Now that we've gone there, we're going somewhere else. We're just, just hold your spot. Just hold on. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord. Turn to Psalms 127. Psalms 127. Verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. If we do church under our own might, power, and ability, we labor in vain. Amen. We have to learn how to let Jesus be the Lord of the church. He's the head of the body, and the church and, and the and the members of the body assembled is the church. So when we come together, we're assembled, and we're supposed to let the head, Jesus Christ, mandate what happens within his church. Most churches, many churches, uh, um, let man lead. But we don't do that in this house. In this house, we let the Lord lead because he is the head. Um, or, or, well, are you sure? Well, yeah, I'm sure. Go to, uh, let's go to Galatians and let's go to Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians. Hold on. Keep holding on to Corinthians. Yeah, okay. Keep holding on to Corinthians. We're coming back to Corinthians. Ephesians. But let's head on over to uh, Ephesians, I believe, is where we want to go. Come on. Sounds like Miss Kathy's already got it. Yep. See, I knew the Holy Ghost. See, if you're keyed into the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will tell you where to go. Come on. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. I'm just looking for exactly where the Lord wants us to go here. Thank you, Father. Oh, I know where we're going, Lord. (laughs) We are going to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and we are going to uh, verse 17. Let's start reading in uh, Ephesians five seventeen. All right. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding that the will of the Lord, or what the will of the Lord is. So we're trying to find out what the will of the Lord is. Let's keep going. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Oh, my goodness. Don't be filled with wine. In other words, don't get all hyper and all in, you know, relax or whatever wine does to you. Don't get in, don't get into wine, um, which is a counterfeit. That's Satan's counterfeit for the Holy Spirit. Amen. He said, instead, it's the will of God that you be filled with the Spirit. Let's keep going. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart Weren't we just to singing? the Lord. Amen. Making melody in our heart. Some of us were singing in English. Some of us were singing in the Spirit. But that's the will of the Lord. Let's keep going. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and to the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on. Weren't we just giving thanks? Come on. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Come on. Aren't we submitting to one another? Yeah. Come on. It's not, well, I want this song, and I want this spot in the church, and I want this pew, and I don't like the timing that you're singing, and I don't know, no, no. We're submitting to the Spirit. We're submitting to one another. We're willing to hear from one another. Come on. Come on. 
Keep going. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. What? Wait, what is that? Christ is the head of the church. And just like a wife submits to her loving husband, the church is supposed to submit to Christ. Amen. So when we come together, when the members of the body come together, we're supposed to come together and we're supposed to submit not to the pastor, but to the great pastor, to the not to the under shepherd, but the head shepherd. Now, as under shepherds, it's mine and Michael's job to make sure that we steward this thing and that y'all don't, you know, that he and I and y'all don't get in the flesh. But other than that, it's Jesus have your way. Holy Ghost, have your way. Father God, whatever you want us to say, that's what we'll say. Father God, whatever you want us to do, that's what we'll do. Father, we're going to follow you. So sometimes the church service doesn't necessarily go the way that you think it ought to go because the Father God likes to do things a little differently. He likes to do things that confound you and kind of mess up your thinking. He likes it when your head goes tilt. He likes it when you look at it like a cow at a new gate. You know where that phrase, does anybody know why that's the phrase? Does anybody know what, what that means? When you put, when you bring, when you check, cows are very, cows are very, very, um, they don't, they don't like change. They, they, they know their habitat and they know their habitat very well. And so when the habitat changes and you put in a new gate, they don't know what to do with that thing. They don't, they don't, they, they, they're like, hmm, what is that? That, that doesn't belong there. So that's what it means when we say you're, you look like a cow at a new gate, because that cow's looking at that gate going, what, uh, that, I, mm, that, that don't belong. But it's there, so they're trying, how much you know, that cow's trying to figure out what that gate is, because it's, it's foreign to them. Um, you know, so, uh, because they're very observant of their atmosphere. And, and it's, see, it's not that God wants us to be confused or no. concerned. He He just loves it when we, uh, when when He can reveal something new to us that we haven't seen before, Absolutely. so that we, we can draw closer to Him, so that we can be more uh, more like Him. See, most of the time we're we're too busy in our heads to hear Him. That's right. We're too busy in our heads to hear the Holy Spirit. Well, how can Christ be the head of the church if the church isn't listening? That's right. The church has to listen so that they can that he can reveal himself to them, and that they know, know the way to go. That he can be the light into their path. So I want you to turn over to uh, Ephesians chapter one. I want you to turn right here. So I said last night I learned a very valuable lesson last night, and um, uh, when when we first came back to God, we Mike and I were out of the church for twelve years, and and uh, thought Mom got into a cult, and I went into the church to. Uh, to try to prove that she was in a cult and uh the pastor that i had um he liked it when i wanted to challenge the word because uh he'd say well just read the word for yourself and if i had a question he'd send me to the word i mean he 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 was very enthusiastic about helping me prove that they were a cult because he knew that's not what i would prove he knew that i would prove out that they were teaching the bible and that the bible was true and uh so uh in 
so when when we um, when my, when I, the Lord got my my mom's attention first, then the Lord got my attention. Well, at that time, Pastor Michael was not real receptive. We'll say I wasn't listening. He wasn't listening. He wasn't real receptive because uh, we had been church hurt as teenagers, and uh, he wasn't real receptive. And uh, so. Once I figured out, you know, this is an occult, this is what we're doing, because the Lord got my attention right off the bat. And um, so, I, but I was still trying to prove it. And uh, so my pastor said, well, how are things going, this, that, and the other? And I said, well, I said, I have figured out that you're not a cult. I said, but honestly, my, my husband, you know, we met in the church and what have you, but we left the church, and he's not real receptive. Now, we grew up in Florida, and in Florida, amongst teenagers, this is an insult. Because uh, in Florida, you know, they've got a lot of retirees. And, and uh, when we were kids in the 70s, uh, you know, the people still went to church, especially the older generations. They really liked church. And so um, you had a lot of older people that, would don't, that they only drove to the grocery store or to church. Um, and very often it was, you know, the ladies that were driving. Um, and, you know, when you have that silver hair, because of the weather and the chlorine and different things like that, their hair would turn kind of yellow. So they would wash their hair with this blue, this purple shampoo. And what would happen is instead of them having a yellow tint to their hair, they'd get a bluish purple tint to their hair. And so what you would see driving down the road is this little tiny, large bed of blue hair, you know, trying to drive the car to the church. <coughs> Excuse me. And so we would call them. And the one thing you could count on is they were always faithful. They were every Sunday, every time the church doors were open, they were going to be there. Always. Uh, Excuse me, just a second. So because the Lord had gotten my attention so quickly and so harshly, I was 100% in once I figured out it wasn't a cult. And so I I told my pastor, he said, well, you know, what's going on? I said, well, I need your help. I said, you know, I said, I figured out you're not a cult. And I said, but my husband... I said, well, he's not too thrilled with this whole situation. And I said, and, and the pastor said, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, he's real fond of calling me a blue-haired church lady. And I said, that's not a compliment. And he's, I said, so he's just not real thrilled. I said, what can I do? He said, oh, that's real simple. He said, bring me your Bible. Or he said, open up your Bible. And I said, okay. He said, turn to Ephesians chapter uh, one and I said, okay. So we turned to Ephesians chapter one. He says, you see right here where Paul says in verse sixteen, cease not to give thanks for you, making any mention of you in my prayers. And I said, yes. He said, well, you need to do what Paul did. You need to cease not in your prayers for your husband, and you need to mention him by name to the Lord. And I said, really? He, I said, well, what do I pray? He said, you pray this right here. He said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give on to, call, put your husband's name in Michael. there, uh, give on to Michael the spirit of wisdom and revelation in him, that the eyes of Michael's understanding being enlightened, that Michael may know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of, his glo- of, of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What is and what is the exceeding greatness of uh, his power to us? Talking about Jesus's power to us, to Michael, who believes according to the working of his mighty power. He said, "In fact, while you pray that for him, just pray it for yourself too." And I said, "Well, okay." 
So we started praying out. Well, sometime later, I found out from going to church and listening, I found out that Kenneth Hagin had prayed this prayer approximately about a thousand times over himself. Not Now, he wasn't being wrote about it or, or you know, just praying it and praying it and praying it. Just when he'd sit down to pray, he'd pray this. So he, after some time period, he estimated that he had prayed it about a thousand times over over a length of time. And he said one day he was... He had gone to the, at that time he was pastor, and he had gone up to the church, and he was there in the sanctuary, and he was, he had been praying that prayer and talking to the Lord, and all of the sudden, the scriptures became alive unto him. And so Dad Hagen would always teach. He'd say, you want to, he said, you want to have a greater understanding of the word? He said, take this prayer, this one and the one in Colossians chapter 1. He said, take these two prayers, write them out on an index card, and every time that you've got a few minutes throughout your day, just pull it out and just say, Father, and just pray that prayer over yourself. And where it says you, just put I or whoever you're praying for. So I started doing that. And I've been praying this prayer now for 20 plus years. In fact, uh, some of our younger people that had been out at our old house, is it still there? It's still there because she's living in our old house now. In our bathroom, in the master bathroom, on the wall, because that's my prayer closet, um, on the wall to the bathtub on the far end is that prayer because that's where I would do my morning prayer. So that just gives you a clue how dedicated we were, I was to this prayer. Well, um. Revelation has been coming over the years, but it's really increased just recently. I mean, it's just really increased just recently. Now, I'm the type of person, and if I start to see things in the Word, I'm like, I've never seen that. I've never heard anybody preach that. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. So I'm the type of person that I need a little bit of, like, confirmation from the Lord. And so I guess, what has it been, two, three years, Miss Ann? Every single time. Now we don't we don't depend on the prophet by any means. We don't that the prophet's there just to steady us, um, as it, through storms and through changes of life. That's that's what the prophet's there for. And uh, but every single time that there'd be an impartation from Brother Randy or other ministers, every single time it seemed like that when there was a word, it was always about revelation. Revelation, revelation, and more revelation. Every time hands were laid on me, to the point that I was like, Lord, is there something in the word that I'm missing? <laughs> like, what's happening here? But I've noticed uh, while that was going on, and even now, that's kind of past now, but I've noticed, and I'm starting to see things in the word that I'm like, wow, when did that get in there? Wow, how did I, like, I've read it, but I didn't connect it. How did that happen? Like, that's happening a lot lately. I mean, it's just happening a lot. And so I was like, okay, well, that's, you know, so I'm like, well, so I, so now that I'm getting these revelations, I'm very thankful for those words because I'm like, well, Lord, you said you were going to give me revelations to that, so I'm not kind of panicking myself, right? Because you want to rightly divide the word. So now let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. All right. This is Paul speaking by the Holy Ghost, and we're going to read just, just one verse, just one verse. And that's going to be verse 1. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Paul said, follow, basically what Paul said is he said, follow me like I follow Christ. 
So if Paul follows, if we're supposed to follow Paul and Paul follows Christ, we could just cut Paul out, just cut out the middleman, and we could just follow Christ. Who follows, you, who follows God. Right. Who, who, I mean, he is God. He follows God. Um, but how much do you know we need Paul's writings to help us to follow Christ? We need his writings. So, um, we're, so we are supposed to follow Christ. Well, if we're supposed to follow Christ, doesn't that mean that we're supposed to live just like Christ? Yes. Oh, we're supposed to live just like him. Now go to John chapter 14. Nope, don't go to John 14. Hold on. Before we go there, let's back up to... I think we're going. I think we're going to Little John. Back Let up. me double That's check the wrong up. Direction to back up. All right. Oh yes, yes. By all means, go to go to Little John. Go to First John, chapter four, chapter five. First John five. First John five. And yes, this is one of those sermons right off the cuff because I didn't know where we were going. So just hold on. First John five, verse fourteen. So this is, uh, this is just, he's speaking by the Holy Ghost. And it's not off the cuff, it's off the Holy Ghost. Off the Holy Ghost, that's right. <laughs> Straight off the hotline, and we could say. Yes, all uh, right. First John five fourteen and 15. 14 and 15, okay. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. So he hears us. The Holy Spirit, through this letter to, of John, said, we can have confidence. That if we, uh, we, have, we can have confidence um, that we have in him, through the confidence that we have in him. What does that mean? That means if we know that we have Christ, that confidence that we have in Christ, if we have that, he said this, he said that you can ask anything according to what? His will. His will. Not our will, but his will. And he heareth us. So, because of our confidence in Christ, we can ask anything according to the will of God, and God will hear us. Keep going. Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Okay. So, so, if, if, so if we have that confidence that's right. that he heard us, then we know, then we can know that, that, that through that confidence that the things we're asking him will come to pass. So if we have, and, and may have already come right. to pass. So if we have confidence that when we're that if we if we have confidence in Christ, if we fully trust, if we fully believe in Christ, and we then we can go and we can ask the Father anything that agrees with His Word, and then because we know and, and, and we can know that God hears us, and if we know that God hears us. Then we are. Then we can be confident. We can be assured that whatever we have requested of the Lord, He's, he's already He's already given it to us. He's already given it to us, right? Right. Okay. Now go to Big John chapter fourteen. Saint John, Big John. All right. Verse twelve. We're going to kind of skip through here just a little bit. So we're going to read 12 through 14. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Jesus said, if you believe on me, 
He said, you're not only going to do what I do. Remember, we're supposed to be living just like him. Not only going to do what I do, but you're going to do even greater things. Oh, that's a big promise. Why are we going to be able to do greater things? Because Jesus operated under the Old Testament. We operate under the New Testament. Jesus operated with the Holy Ghost upon him. We operate with the Holy Ghost in us. Now, the difference is, is Jesus had all of the Holy Ghost on him. We have a measure of the Holy Ghost in us. But here's the deal. The more of us we get collected, the more of the Holy Ghost we got. Come on. This is why the church can do great and marvelous things if you can get the church into unity, which is why the devil fights the church, gets the church to split, gets the church to break, gets the church into arguing and strifing and fussing, because when we do that, we lose power and authority. Come on. But if we can come together. Now, listen, you may not necessarily like the color of the chairs, but really, is the color of the chair worth losing your power and authority over? Absolutely Lord, not. No. Come on. Just say, you know what? It's not my taste, but Lord, I'm glad to be in the house. Amen. Come on. <laughs> yeah. 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 Brains. I love, I loved his opinion. <laughs> I loved it. Bob said, just bring the blanket that you like and throw it over your chair. Come on. Come on. Come on. Glory to God. Figure out a way to get an agreement. Come on, around the word. Now let's jump. To, oh, look, we didn't finish reading. Let's finish reading 13 and 14. All right. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Oh, my goodness. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, this verse right here, he said, Whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do. He said, I'm going to do it. He said, What you ask in my name, I'm going to do. That word ask right there actually should read anything that you command. Anything that you command in my name, that will I do. Why? Because how much you know, Jesus has all the authority and power, and he gave it to us. So we are, we are to rule and reign in this world through the power of Jesus Christ, which means when we say, uh, Satan, we bind you, Satan is bound by the power of Christ. When we say angels be loose, how much you know, Jesus is the head of angel armies. And so when we say uh, angels be loosed in Jesus' name, the angels go, up. Oh, that's the commander-in-chief. We're loosed to go and do whatever the order is. Um, so that's what it means there. Now, I want you to jump over to chapter 16. Chapter 16 and verse uh, 23. John 16. And verse 23. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Now, wait a minute. He just said over there, if you'll ask me, I'll do it. But here he just said, if you'll ask, he said, here he said, don't ask me anything. Uh, that sounds contradictory. Let's it finish does. reading. Well, you can't take scripture out of context, That's right? correct. All right. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Oh, now that changes. Because last time he said, anything that you ask in my name, I will do. But anything that you, here he said, anything that you ask the Father in my name, he will do it. 
which tells, now this word literally means ask, to make a request, to make a petition. So if there's anything, now how much do you know, you don't go to God and say, God, I, Father God, I command you in Jesus' name to give me said information. How much do you know, you're going to get the, you're going to get the pinky flick that Satan got. You don't want that. No, you go to the Father and you say, Father, I have a question. Father, I have a request. Father, I have a need. And the Father says, I'll do it. Now, here's what you can't do. You can't go to the Father and say, Father, will you do something about the devil for me? No. Why? Because that's, that's what you need the Jesus command for. Because God, God's already done everything about the devil he's going to do. I mean, he's already done everything about the devil that he's going to do until the return of Christ. So why? Because that's in our power. So do you see that in some situations you need the name of Jesus? You need to command in the name of Jesus. And in other situations, if you have a request, a need, a question, whatever, you've got to go and ask the Father. You, we see that? All right, now I need you to go back to uh, chapter 14. Well, well Pastor, yeah. I thought you said that you learned something. Oh, I learned something. I'm just giving some background here. Uh, chapter 14, verse 26. All right. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Who's the Comforter? The Holy the Ghost. The Holy Ghost. All right. Whom the Father will send in my name. Come on. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. All right. What is the Holy Ghost going to do? He's going to teach us He's all gonna things. He's going to teach us all things and bring all things to our remembrance. Amen. All right. So we've learned. If we ask, it, if we ask anything in line with the will of God... He'll, uh, he'll give it to us. Once we ask, we have it. We've learned we can command in the name of Jesus, and we can make requests to the Father God, and Father God will do it. And the, the, he's going to give us the Holy Ghost that is going to teach us and bring things to our remembrance. I need to go to one more verse. When I didn't think about it. Let me go find it. Because, um, like I said, we're just, you know, Going by the Holy Ghost? We're going by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Come on. I believe we're going right. James, I want. No, James, John, I want. Do, 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 do. Go back to 1 John, chapter 2. 1 John, chapter 2. Round and round. You see how all these scriptures come together? This is why you can't just read one book to get your total freedom. 1 John, chapter 2, verse 27. But the anointing which... Pause. The anointing. What is the anointing? The anointing is the power of God in action, which means the Holy Ghost. Right. The Holy Ghost. So we could say by the anointing or by the Holy Ghost. But the anointing or the Holy Ghost, which ye have received of him, abideth in you. Where's the Holy Ghost live? In us. In us. All right. And you need not that any man teach you. Oh, no. Oh, wait, 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 wait. What? That means we wait, don't need pastors. Wait. You don't need any man to teach you. I don't need a pastor. I don't need to go. I've had my teenagers ask me this. We read that verse to them. And then they come, and inevitably, they come to us in, either in that meeting or later on. They'll come to us and they'll say, Pastor, the Bible says that I got the Holy Ghost and therefore I don't need a teacher. Why I got to go to school? No, come on. And, come on. Why have we got to go to school? Because God gave us one another to help our, to help one another. 
He didn't say you can't listen to anybody else when he was talking about this. He just said, he said, but the anointing which you receive of him that abideth in you, you need not, you need not any man to teach you, colon. He's going to explain what he means. Let's find out what he means. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Now, he said, he said, he said, basically what he said is, the Holy Ghost lives in you, and the Holy Ghost is going to teach you all things. He's going to teach you what is truth. So when you hear something, don't take it hook, line, and sinker. Take your spirit and say, Holy Ghost, is that true? Even if you're listening to a preacher. Come on. Yeah. And sometimes, especially. And sometimes, especially if you're listening especially to a preacher. Especially if you're listening. Because Jesus said, he said, listen, he said, narrow is the gate and wide is the path to destruction. And then immediately he said, beware of false uh, prophets that, that, come in sheep, that come as sheep, but they're actually ravenous wolves. He said, listen, he said, don't just believe, don't just listen, don't just take the word of people. No, 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 no. He said, he said, the same anointing. Here he said, but the same anointing, the same Holy Spirit teaches you what? All things and is truth. What the Holy Spirit will teach you is truth and is no lie. How much do you know the world will teach you lies? Satan will teach you lies. But the Holy Spirit, which comes from down here, not up here, will never teach you a lie. Uh, and is and even is even as it hath taught you. you. Do you know that you've been being taught by the Holy Spirit since the day you were born? Amen. You have been. You ever watch little children, little 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 toddlers? You let them get off by themselves, and they get down there and they start gibbering and jabbering, and they're investigating. What are they doing? They're letting their spirit teach them. They're letting their spirit teach them. But somehow, in our stupidity, we have decided that our brains are smarter than our spirits, and we tell our children, no, no, that's foolish, that's silly, don't do that. No, 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 come on. The Holy Ghost will teach you. Um, does that mean that you don't need teachers? No. Um, God, God gave us pastors and teacher, school teachers and parents. He gives you parents to teach you. Because how much do you know? You've got to have somebody that can relate this world to you and help you. But you should check everything according to the Spirit. So, Pastor, how did you get in trouble last night? Well, we've been looking at the prosperity of God, right? That's what okay. we looked at last week. Did God provide for Jesus? And so I was looking at some things. And about, oh, I don't know, 1230 or so, I was still up. And I was thinking about today's service. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I said, Lord, now... I don't, you know, I don't know where the service is going tomorrow. I don't know what we're teaching exactly. But I do know that um, Jesus had his own house. I say that in the scriptures plainly. And I said, but it seems to me through my studies, I have seen where it's very possible that Jesus had two houses. I said, but I just can't remember that scripture. I can't recall where I saw that. I can't recall where that came from. Will you bring it to my remembrance? Oh, Lord Jesus. That is not the time to ask the Holy Ghost to teach you. It was quiet for just a little while. And then all of the sudden, 
scripture after scripture after scripture. I set my, because I've, I've got my Bible and my concordance and all that on my phone. And I was laying in the bed, and uh, these, all these scriptures kept popping in my mind. And so I'd reach over, and I'd grab my phone, and I'd look at them. And sure enough, those are the scriptures. And I'd you know, study it for a few minutes. I'd go, Lord, i got to sleep. i got to preach in the morning. And I'd set my phone down. And I'd start to kind of drift off. And all of a sudden, there'd be more that the Lord would have to show me. And I'm like, Lord, I, I mean, and this went on. This went on for a long time. So why? Why did this go on for a long time? Because we see in the scriptures, if you'll ask the Father anything in line with his word. How much you know, asking the Lord to teach you is in line with his word. Amen. Asking the Lord to bring things to your remembrance is in line with the word. He said that he will do it for you. And when God does something for you, it's instant. The only thing that slows it down is your ability to stay in faith until it comes into manifestation. That's the only thing that slows down the manifestation. And, uh, you know, well, asking the Lord to show me something in the scriptures, I've developed my faith in that real good. So I don't have to be like, oh, Father, I'm just praising you for the answer. The answer just comes. So let's, um, we, we talked last week about did God, did, did Jehovah Jireh, the same God that provided the ram in the thicket for Abraham when he was about to uh, sacrifice Isaac, did Jehovah Jireh provide for his son when he came to the earth? And we saw very much so that God did provide ahead of time. In fact, we saw in the scriptures, you've got to go back and listen to the sermon, but we saw in the scriptures that uh, right there at the time of, uh, you know, when Abraham uh, was kind of coming to the end of his life, he sent off his sons of the world, his sons from his concubines. He sent them to the east with gifts. Abraham sowed a seed, a financial seed, so that when Jesus was born some 1,500 years later, there would be a supply for him. Because we saw that the men from the east were the descendants of Abraham. We saw that in the scriptures, and that they came, and they didn't come with just frankincense with gold frankincense and myrrh those were just the three things that matthew recorded we saw that it was prophesied back in isaiah that they came with gold they came with silver they came with many incense they came with camels and sheep and rams and i mean they came with all kinds of stuff yeah they came with themselves i mean they they when they brought when they came to bethlehem they came to bethlehem and they, and he said that they opened their treasures, not their single treasure, but their treasures. Now, here's the crazy thing. Um, Joseph, that same night, so here they are. They're having this wonder, all these wonderful things bestowed on them. And the same night, the angel appears onto Joseph and says, get up and get into Egypt. How are they packing up all them treasures? Bible doesn't tell us. But do you think they left it all behind? No way. Ain't no way they left it all behind. So we're going to continue to kind of look at some things. Go to, um, let's pick up here in Luke chapter 2, I believe is where we want to pick up. Nope, I take that back. We're going to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. 
Let's pick up here. So we see this in um, uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. We'll pick up, uh, let's pick up in verse 7. All right. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Now remember, we also found out right there at the end of service that this star was not a star at all. But this star was a special messenger, and it actually an actual spiritual angel that appeared in the east and actually led them directly to Jesus' house when he was a child, which we're going to read. So this star is actually not a star, but an actual spiritual angel. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. Now, we saw that, we saw that the star was the light unto the Gentiles, those outside of the covenant. Remember, we saw that. But Matthew is the writer of this but Matthew, who himself is a Jew, this is his letter, and he's writing it to the Jews, trying to compel them that Christ is the Messiah. Why did Matthew feel like it was important to include the star that was for the Gentiles in his letter to the Jews? To say the Messiah was here. But here's the deal. How much do you know the Jews knew about the cloud that led them out of Egypt during the day and the pillar of fire that led them at night? So the fact that this star appeared to the Gentiles, come on, the fact that this star appeared to the Gentiles and led the Gentiles to the Messiah, just like the pillar of, of cloud and the pillar of Fire did the Jews out of Egypt. How much do you know that caused the Jews to tilt? That caused them to tilt. That caused them to go, wait a minute. Why is the star leading the Gentiles? Come on. Matthew knew that that they would see that connection to their history. Come on. Let's keep going. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. How much do you know that was different? That was different than how the Jews came out of Egypt. Remember when the Jews came out of Egypt, they immediately started murmuring and complaining. But here the Gentiles come and the Gentiles are full of joy. They're full of rejoicing. Come on. And then when they were come into the house... They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Now, wait a minute. They came into the barn. No, the house. No. They came into the house. See, people would have us believe that Jesus, for his entire life, was was, uh, weak, that he was beggarly, that Mary and Joseph had no money, (laughs) that he had nowhere to lay his head. They'd have you believe that. But how much you know? That ain't true. Come on. He had a house. And uh, I just want to look real quick. I hadn't looked this word up. Come into the house. This word house is the Greek word. uh, Okia, which means house. 
an inhabited edifice, a dwelling. Um, this is somewhere, it also means, this word house also means property, wealth, and goods. Property, wealth, and goods. So this was, this, the fact that they had this house, they had this property, they had this prosperity, they had this house, they had these goods, that says something, the fact that he used this language. And it says when they came into the house, now remember, again, was this a tiny little house? Or was this a shack of a house? It couldn't have been because it says, and when they were come into the house. This is a huge party of king, uh, of magi that are coming, and it doesn't say, well, the magi's trickled in one by one to share their great treasures. The magi, Mary and Joseph came out of the house with the small child. No, it said that they came, that he came in, that they came in to the house, and there was Mary with little Jesus. And it says that Jesus was a child and it says that they fell down and worship that meant they had room to have a church service that means they had room to have a church service in the house and as we heard last week there were many wise men so they had to have a lot of room to all come into the house they had to have plenty of room they fell down and they worshiped him when they had opened their church so it says when they had opened their treasure so apparently they worshiped for a little while and when they had opened their treasures they presented unto him Gifts. gifts. Now, I would assume that the reason of all of the gifts that were given, I would assume that Matthew picked gold, frankincense, and myrrh because those are the three gifts that would have spoken to the Jews the most. And they were probably the most of most value. And the, yeah, those were the gifts that would have spoken to the Jews the most. But, but you know, the, the wise men traveled for thousands of miles to get to, to the baby Jesus. And yeah. they brought lots of gifts with them yeah how much do you know they're not going to take all those gifts back and just give three yeah you know yeah they're just gonna they're gonna put all of this off um now now let's go back and then now let's go to luke chapter two all right luke two because there's some things in here that we got to see about luke all right verse one and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Oh, my goodness. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Okay, so let's talk about this taxing situation. This word taxed in the grief means to enter a registry of records. Specifically, you were to enter a public record, the names of all mankind, and their property, and their income. So, And they had to go back to their home city, who Joseph's home city was um, Bethlehem, because he, because he was of the house of David. So he had to go back. Now, Mary is extremely pregnant. She's extremely pregnant. And 
uh, Mary and Joseph have been engaged for somewhere in the vicinity of a little more than nine months because we know that they were espoused before uh, she got pregnant. And we know that according to Jewish custom, a, uh, a, a um, engagement period is approximately one to two years. And um, we know that Jesus was born there in Bethlehem. So we know that, you know, they were still getting to know each other. They were still finding out about each other. We showed you last week that, uh, that Joseph was considered an upright man, which meant he would have been operating under the blessings of God. According to Deuteronomy 28, God would have commanded him to be blessed. We showed you that Mary, that when the angel showed up to Mary, he said, you, have, you, are, you are favored or blessed among all women, which means that she also would have been under that, under uh, Deuteronomy 28, the blessing, where God said, if you follow my word, I will command the blessing, the, the, the ability to prosper to you. So why did Mary have to go? Because look at what it said. It says, he went to be taxed with Mary. If Mary had nothing to claim, if Mary had no income, if Mary had no possessions, why was it necessary for Mary to go? It wasn't. But how much do you know they were still trying to figure out each other's lots and what each other had going on. And Joseph probably said, Mary? I've got all of this that I've got to register, and I don't know how I'm going to remember. How am I going to get all your stuff registered? How much, you know, Mary had to go to register also because Mary, because they were espoused. Guess what? Bethlehem was going to now be her home city according to who her husband was. So they both had to go, and they both had to be registered. They both had to go, and both had to be registered. So, um, so obviously they both had a provision. And how much you know that provision was there before Jesus was born? That provision was there ahead of time. So we now know that they come into Bethlehem to register all of their, all of their, their income and all of their possessions. She has the child. And we saw that, that two years later they're still there. And the Magi come in with all these gifts and all these treasures. Uh, how much do you know, if, let, let's just think about this today. Somebody that has been in poverty all the days of their life, they all of a sudden they win, you know, 2,600 million, whatever the price is. They win the huge lottery, right? They win millions and millions of dollars. But they've never dealt with money a day in their life. What happens? They wind up broke. They wind up broke. Do you think that our God in heaven would take two impoverished impoverished parents and say, well, I know that I have a provision for my son, so I'm going to send it all to you and let you manage it for his life? Do you think God doesn't know that, that by the time Jesus got to be an adult, that money would be gone? Because people that don't have money don't know how to manage money. But how much do you know? In order for God to send the Magi to Jesus as a child, how much do you know that God had to have somebody in place that knew how to manage those treasures? So Joseph and Mary knew how to manage households. Both of them did. So how much do you know uh, when, when he had the dream and said, get out, get to Egypt, 
How much you know? Joseph and Mary already had the resources to arrange for their stuff to be forwarded to them. Maybe they had servants that came along behind them. We don't know. The Bible doesn't give us all of the details because those details aren't really going to help us today. But what we do know is that they clearly had a provision there in Bethlehem. And, and they clearly went to Bethlehem to be taxed. So let's keep reading just a little bit more because there's a couple things in here we want to show you. All right. In verse 7? Yep. All right. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Okay. Does it say that, they, that she wrapped him in a manger because they were poor and could not afford the inn? It didn't say that. He said that there's no room in the inn. Go in the inn. Go back to verse 1. Let's go back to verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. That whole entire region, that entire region had to be taxed. All right, let's keep reading. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Cyrus. Of Syria, and for and all went to be taxed. Everyone, one into his own country. In the entire region, everyone was everyone that did not live in their home city was traveling. Which means all of the Jews, all of the lineage of the house of David that lived in surrounding areas, they were all also coming to Bethlehem. Which means every bed in Bethlehem was filled. And Bethlehem was a small town. Yes. It was not a big town. It was a small town. And every person that belonged to that lineage, which was a blessed lineage, had to come. So when Mary and Joseph got there, it wasn't that the innkeeper was like, sorry. You know, they weren't like, oh, we're we're weak and we're vaguely and we have no money. No, they they went in the inn to get a room. So obviously they had money. The problem was the inn had no room. Why did they? Why was it so important that they got there at the time that there'd be no room left? Do you think God that that was a fluke? No, no. that was there. That, the, the that was all part of God's plan. Why? Let's keep reading. Down to verse eight now. Yeah, let's just keep. Let's just keep going a while. Mm-hmm. Okay, and there were. In the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Oh, you, oh I was, oh, yeah. Oh, you, yep, want, yep, or yep, did you want me to keep going over yep, there? Yeah, keep going. Okay. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And all this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So, the whole, he said, this is going to be a sign unto the shepherds. This is the Jewish shepherds. Now again, this is Matthew writing to fellow Jews Trying to convince them. Oh, wait, we're not in Matthew anymore. We're in Luke. Right. So sorry. We're in Luke. Um, uh, but, but here's the deal. Uh, so why did Matthew, let me ask you this way. Why did Matthew, who was writing to the Jews, not, con- not record this in his account? It's, it's believed that Matthew and Luke 
kind of worked together to record different things. And they believe that Luke knew, or Matthew knew that Luke was recording this. But why is it so important that this baby be born in a main, be, be uh, born in Bethlehem and laid in this manger? Because this spoke extremely highly to the Jews, especially those in Bethlehem. Now remember, who's all in Bethlehem? The city is packed out. There are people from all the regions of, of, the, of their known world. There's Jews from every region are, is now in Bethlehem. Well, it's the entirety of the house of David. Yeah, it's the entirety, entirety of the house of David. He's completely right. And Jesus right. was supposed to come out of the house of David. And so the house of David, so the whole entire house of David is gathered. And here comes this infant laying in a manger. But this infant was not just laying in an old run-down barn. This, this infant was actually laying in a manger, in a feeding trough, in a cave that was, that was tended to and cared for by the shepherds that were uh, responsible for birthing the sacrificial lambs. And when the lambs were born, they were right there. They would catch the lambs so the lambs would not be injured in any way. They would take the lambs and they would wrap these lambs in long strips of cloth, which was called swaddling, uh, which was the same type of stuff that Mary had, which was the swaddling cloth. They would wrap these lambs and they would lay these lambs in those feeding troughs so that uh, until they had the strength to stand, they wouldn't injure themselves. Because a lot of a lot of babies that are a lot of baby animals that are just born that way, they'll they'll fall while they're trying to get up and they'll injure their legs and stuff like that. So when when the shepherds went into this land, went into this into this cave barn uh, and and saw this child wrapped in swaddling clothes, where they lay the sacrificial lambs. They knew exactly who they, they were. They knew exactly what this meant. And the angel, and, cause the, and, then the, and the angel said, this is going to be a sign. Well, the shepherds went out, and they noised it throughout the entire city. There's a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes where the sacrificial lambs lay. How much do you know that word went to every single Jew there in Bethlehem and then they took that information when they left Bethlehem after being taxed registered to tax they took it back to their home cities this is how the word spread this is how the word got out how much you know God had a provision not only for his son not only for the Gentiles but also for the Jews so did Jehovah Jireh see ahead and provide oh yes he did Oh, yes, yes, he did. All right. So, next question. What, so, we see that Jesus had a house when he was two. We see that he... Now, here's the other thing. If you have no money, and then all of a sudden, for some reason, an angel shows up and says, Quick, get out of town. Um, and you have no money. Is your first thing going to be, Okay, let me obey? Or is your first thing going to be, uh, How am I going to do it? I mean, of course you're going to obey, but then the, 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 the thought hits the mind. How are we going to do this? Joseph, if he had been strapped for finances, if he had been strapped for resources, if they were living by what they could meagerly gather in town, how much you know, he wouldn't have, been, he wouldn't have said to the angel, yes. 
he would have said, uh, Lord, how? Lord, how? But he didn't do that. He got up, he obeyed, they went into Egypt. Do you think they arrived in Egypt with nowhere to live? With no supply, nothing to get? No, of course they had a house in Egypt. And a journey of that distance would require some finances to make. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's, so let's look. Let's look at some things real quick. We got a little bit of time here. Let's look and see. Did Jesus as an adult, was there a provision for Jesus as an adult? Did he have a house? Did he have finances? Did he have an income? Well, first of all, let me explain. Let me, let me remind you that he was the son of a carpenter. Now, most of us today, we think of a carpenter, we think of somebody that works with wood. But in their day, most of their structures were made with stone. So more than likely, we would say Jesus was a carpenter that, that uh, specialized in stone masonry. He specified in this. Um, this was obviously, we know from our, um, we've talked about that in uh, Jewish culture, they followed the Mishana, the Mishana which meant that the children, uh, once they reached the age of 10 to 13, uh, for 13 to 15, that they all went back and worked in the family business. This was the way it was for generation after generation after generation. So if Joseph was a carpenter, how did Joseph become a carpenter? His dad was a carpenter. His granddad was a carpenter. His great-granddad was a carpenter. He came from a long line of carpenters. Do you think that by now they've perfected some skills? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They perfected some skills. Uh, how much do you know? Joseph was passing that knowledge on to Jesus, his son. And if you don't think that they had developed some skills, think about it. Their, their entire lineage came out of Egypt. Yes. The, the greatest architects wonders. the world has ever known. Yeah. And so they had some skills. Yeah. They're like, oh, the Egyptians were amazing. No, honey, it was the Jews that worked for the Gentile, for the Egyptians that were amazing. Come on. So let's go to Matthew. Well, let's go to let's go to Mark chapter two. Let's go to Mark chapter two. Let's just answer this question right off the bat. Does Jesus have a house? Well, let's find out. Mark chapter two, verse one. Chapter two, verse one. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. All right. So he goes into Capernaum and everybody's talking that he is in the house. What house? What house? It says that he was in the house. Well, if you go, if, if we're going, if, if we go to town and we're like, hey, I'm looking for uh, uh, Johnny Boy, and they go, oh, well, Johnny Boy's in the house. What house do you think Johnny Boy's in? His, his house. Johnny's house. Johnny's house. Uh, because he, he didn't say, well, it was noised about that he was in Peter's house. Did it say that? No. Nope. Did it say that he was noised about that he was in John's house? No. No. It said that it was noised about that he was in the house. Uh, how much do you know if they said, oh, well, he's in the house, um, according to what the theologians teach us today, they would have all gone to Peter's house. And Peter would have been like, he ain't here. That's not, that's, not what, that's not what this is. It says that he was in the house. Let's keep reading. And straightway, many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No. Not so much as a uh, as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. 
And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. So he's in his house. Here Jesus is. He's in his house. He's been traveling. How much do you know? When you've been traveling, you come into your home city, what's the first thing you want to do? You want to go home. Do you want to go hang out at your friend's house? No. You want to go home. You want to unpack. You want to take a shower, get a bath, love the dog, whatever. You're not out to go. He went to his house. He's chilling. They all find out Jesus is back in town, and they all start showing up at his door. And guess what? They keep coming in, and 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 they keep coming in. So much so that they couldn't get in the door anymore. They filled up the whole house. They're standing in the kitchen. They're standing in the living room. They're standing in the dining room. They're sitting around everywhere. I mean, if you can fit them, they're in there. They're absolutely everywhere. Now they're standing outside the house with their heads sticking into the windows. I mean, they're everywhere. And then here come these people. Let's keep reading. And they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. In other words, carried. That means they were four carrying him. Right. So this man with the palsy has four friends. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press or the crowd... They uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they didn't just... They, <laughs> they put a hole in his roof. They ripped his roof off. They ripped the roof of Jesus' home off. They let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Now, I can see this. I can see this. You got four worldly people. They're desperate to get their friend. I imagine one of them, probably the one that needed to come with a warning sign, probably said, hey, he's a carpenter. He can fix the roof. It'll be a, she said, the one that comes with the warning label said, that's exactly right. <laughs> he's a carpenter. He can fix it. It'll be fine. How much do you know? They all went, yeah, he is a carpenter. Yeah, he can fix it. Come on. So they get up there, and this one's over here going, she's the, she's the conservative front. We can't tear off the roof of the house. Come on, y'all. There was, yeah, you're just making, come on. See, I love this. They can debate. Can you imagine these four friends with this man on the, on the bed of sickness? Then they're getting him up there on the roof. Obviously the one, obviously the one crazy, the craziest of the friends convinces them. You know, the, first, the, 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 the one that's real conservative is like, well, I guess we're doing this because y'all can't do it without me. You know, here we go. They get up on the roof. <laughs> you get up on the roof. You start ripping the roof off. You, allow, you know, you lower this thing down. Come on. Now, when Jesus saw the, their faith. Now, think about this. If, if they were at Peter's house and Peter's a fisherman, are they going to say, well, Peter's a fisherman. He'll be fine. He's used to getting wet. That's not what they said. <laughs> when Jesus saw their faith, not when he saw the hole in the roof, right. but when he saw the, their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Listen, how much you know? He said, Jesus saw whose faith? The friend's faith. He saw the friend's faith. Listen, if you get the right kind of friends, they'll get you healed on their faith. Amen. Come on. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Now listen, the scribes, the ones that are supposed to be recording what's going on, instead of recording, they're, they're sitting there thinking things out in their heart. Mm. Come on. Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? 
And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit. What did Jesus perceive? Or how did he perceive? In his spirit. In his spirit. This is the gift of, this is the gift of, uh, the, uh, um. Knowledge. Yes. The, the words of knowledge and words of wisdom in operation. He was seeing words of knowledge. He, God pulled back the veil and God let, gave Jesus a little inside information about what these scribes were thinking on the inside. Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves. He said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say the sick of the palsy or to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. Come on, into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all. Insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it in this fashion. Come on. And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitudes resorted unto him, and he taught them. Okay, so in verse 13, so right after this guy leaves, at some point, we don't know when, uh, as soon as they get this guy raised from, or raised from the bed of sickness, and somehow Jesus gets them all out, they, he gets them all out of the house. And, and they leave. And then it says in verse 13, it says, And he, being Jesus, went forth again by the seaside. Now, that phrase, the seaside, is a very important phrase. Because we will see in some other verses that Jesus goes out of his house and sits by the seaside. He goes and sits by the seaside. Now, that word seaside can mean the sea in general, talking about the Sea of Galilee. But most of the time, when this, but particularly, this word also referred to the Dead Sea over by, um, which is where uh, Tyre and Sidon were, which is where Jesus also went very frequently. So, um, so many times when it didn't say when it did when the Bible doesn't say sea. But seaside is specifically talking about that uh, the, about that area over by the Dead Sea where Sidon and Tyre and all of that is, and we see that Jesus goes there and teaches frequently. So that's an important little thing here. But Jesus leaves his house. He's out by the sea. Maybe it's by the Sea of Galilee. Maybe it's out by the Dead Sea, um, or, or not the Dead Sea, but by the Mediterranean Sea. Um, but he's teaching. People have followed him. And uh, let's keep going in verse 14. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house. Well, wait, wait, what did it say? In his house. What's it say? In his house. Come on, church. What's it say? Come on, church. What's it say? In his house. In whose house? Jesus' house. Are you sure? Yeah. What's the Bible? How do you know? The Bible says How so. How do you know? So this is Jesus' house, right? It, it doesn't say Peter's house. Is this Jesus' house? Come on, church. Is this Jesus' house? Yep. How do you know? How do you know? 
The Bible says that Jesus had his own house very clearly. Where's this house? Capernaum. Jesus has his own house in Capernaum. But we're going to learn something very important right here. Let's keep going. All right. It came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. Oh, my For goodness. there were many, and they followed him. Now, this, this, uh, this word right here. And it came to pass as Jesus sat where? In his house. Where did Jesus sit? In his house. All right. And it came to pass, and it says, Jesus sat at meat in what? His house. Come on, church. Where did he sit at? In his house. In his own house. Why am I having you repeat it? I don't because know. it helps you to sit. It helps it to stick. He said, many. This word many is very important. Very. I got to well, get many the right means book. more than one or two. Uh, let me get to the right chapter here. Hold on. I didn't get a chance to write this down, but many means much, uh, many, much, or large. Specifically, it comes from, uh, specifically, the, the largest number or a very large number. Um, uh, greater, in, this is just, this word many means lots and lots and lots so here he is he is sitting at supper in his house and there are many a great number we could say a massive amount of people are in jesus's house so does this look like jesus has a tiny little shack no no now remember some weeks ago i was teaching you about uh how the disciples were how Masana or Mishana, which is the Jewish uh, education system worked. Remember from uh, up to the age of 10, girls and boys went, and they memorized, uh, they learned how to no, read, they the learned how to went. write, uh, and they memorized the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, from zero to, uh, from, from, the age, from the time they started school to the age of 10. Think about that. Up to the age of 10, and they all, boys and girls, had the first five books of the Bible memorized. Memorized. Come on. Why? Because they were taught it in school. They were taught it at home. They, that was, they didn't do bedtime stories like the cat in the hat and all that. No, they got told the scriptures. Everything about their life was the scriptures, the scriptures, the scriptures. Now, at the age of 10, at the age of 10, all of the girls went home and learned how to, how to run the households from mom. Most of the boys went home and learned their family business from dad. A few of the, or actually all of the boys went home and started working the family business, but a few of them would stay in school and they would begin to study the scriptures for, for learning to, so that they could learn them and begin to live by them while still working at home. And they would still be in school also. At the age of between 13 and 15, uh, they, uh, somewhere around like 11, 12 to 13, 15, they also studied the Talmud, uh, which is not only the, the books of the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, but it's also all of the commentaries of all of the Jewish teachers. 
And so they would study this under the, under the hand of many rabbis. Then somewhere at, at between age 13 and 15, there's only just a very few select that are left that are still studying. And of those few select that are still studying, they would have to go to one of the rabbis in the school and ask to be the rabbi's disciple. And if the, if the rabbi felt like this was somebody that could, be, that could actually be a disciple, he would say to them, come and follow me or come and take my yoke uh, and, and basically come and learn of me and be just like me. If that rabbi said those words to that child, that child would then move into the home of the rabbi and live with the rabbi until the age of 30. Okay? And they would follow this rabbi until such time as they themselves were able to become a rabbi at the age of 30. So understanding what it was to be a disciple, when Jesus walked by the seaside and spoke to Simon Peter and Andrew and all them and said, come and follow me, they knew and understood that there was an expectation that they were supposed to live with their rabbi. So now you got Jesus, you got the 12 disciples all leaving. Do you think this is a small house? This is not a small house. This is not a small house. We see here that there's many publicans and sinners sitting where? In his house. In his house. Was Jesus where the publicans were? They came to him. See, this is a major mistake that many, many, many Christians make. They say, I'm supposed to go into all the world. I'm supposed to go to the bars and, and, the, and the tattoo parlors and the hangouts and the party houses. I'm supposed to do that, and I'm supposed to be a witness in the filth and the dark. Jesus never did that. Jesus said, my doors are wide open. Come anytime you want and sit and learn of me. Sit and learn. See, we're not supposed to go. All, yes, we're supposed to go out into the world and do some teaching out publicly, but then we're supposed to come in and have our doors open, and if people want to come to our house and learn, that, then so be it. Then so be it. But yes, Jesus had a house. All right. So he definitely had a house. Uh, next week, because we're out of time, next week we're going to look at did he have a second house. Possible. It is possible that he had a second house. It's not 100% clear. Uh, but it is possible that he, not only did he have the house in Capernaum, but it is also very likely that he also had a, a house over by the Dead Sea, um, over there in the coast between Tyre and Sidon. Because we see where he goes into a house there. doesn't specify whose house it is. Um, but that was some of the scriptures that the Lord... Because I told the Lord, I said, Lord, this is what I told the Lord last night. I said, Lord, I know for a fact he has one house, but does he have two houses? And the Lord just brought me scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. And I thought, well, we're going to figure this thing out. So we're going to dig into it a little bit deeper next week. We're also going to look next week, because we'll have time, I'm confident. We're also going to look at Jesus' raiment, his clothing. Uh, you know, did he still have, and, and some other things, did he still have a large amount of finances at the end of his natural life? Yes, he did, and we'll see it in the scriptures. So if we're to walk like Jesus walked, and Jesus had prosperity from his childhood into his adult years and, on, and all the way to the point of his death, how much do you know that we, his body, should also do the same? We should. 
We should. Glory to God. We're to walk as Jesus walked. We'll praise the Lord, Zach, if you'll come. Glory to God. We're going to give Derek's feet a break today. Glory to God. And uh, you're well able to serve all serve the people. I'll just let you do that however you feel the need to do it. You can just do that one. Okay. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You want to bless the offering, honey? Yeah. Lord, we thank you for this word that we've received. We thank you that it's fallen on good ground, that it will grow and bear lo- fruit in our lives and the lives of those of those that we come in contact with. Lord, we 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 stand. Thank you. We Father. stand confident, yes, Lord. confident and armed and warned against the devil, and we will stand against him, and we will stop him in his tracks with the name of your son, Jesus Christ, the name that is above all names, the name that you have given us the authority to use to stop the devil from coming to steal your word that has been sowed in our hearts. Lord, we just ask that you allow this word to grow and grow and grow and and mature us and, and, and towards the perfecting of your saints, your people. You're us. And Lord, we just thank you for that. And Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. You cannot take this word. We are standing against you, and we are armed against you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to give into your kingdom. And we ask that you bless this offering, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work here on this earth. And that you bless us in return, Lord, that we can become a bigger blessing. That we can bless your people and bless and do your work in Jesus' name. Father, we do thank you. We honor you. We praise you. Father, we thank you for your holy word. Father, we thank you that, uh, that Satan is still bound because we, bound because we have bound him off of our finances. We thank you that the angels have been loosed and that your word is working. Father, we thank you that increase abounds to our homes as we follow you. You command the blessing to us. And, Father, we thank you in Jesus' mighty name that your word is always true and always faithful. Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Amen and amen. Zach, you can serve the people. We'll be back tonight.